You are listening to the Hippie Haven podcast. I'm Callie, a zero waste activist and public speaker, creator of Bestowed Essentials, a line of eco-friendly home and body products, owner of Hippie Haven Shop, the first refill store in South Dakota, and of course, host of this Hippie Haven podcast. If you're new here, I release an episode every Wednesday, which you can get instantly downloaded to your phone for easy listening by subscribing to this podcast on any of the major podcasting apps. The show notes and full transcript for every episode are available on my website, hippiehavenpodcast.com. You can also learn more about me on the website or by following along on Instagram at hippiehavenshop. This episode is part of my Live Your Best Life series as we start off 2020 doing the internal work to be our best selves so that we can then do more impactful external work to help others and the environment. My guest today is Carrie Nadu. After years of living in illness, Carrie found energy healing. She learned about the relevance of the subconscious mind in the healing process and began to understand why talk therapy just wasn't helping her. She learned how to do the emotion code on herself and also worked with a practitioner. She dove into the deeper than physical levels of healing, the levels of the emotions, mind, and spirit. Carrie became obsessed with learning about how people healed from serious illness. So she's now a certified EFT practitioner, certified emotion code practitioner, and a certified theta healing practitioner. In this episode, we're talking about tapping and how it's used as a healing technique, what the emotion code is, how to taper off antidepressants safely. We talk about Lyme disease, living with chronic illness, and much more. So let's get into today's episode. So what is your personal experience with chronic illnesses? So I've, I've been one of these people who sort of had one thing after the other since a, a child, basically. But things started to get really more severe in my teenage years with anxiety and moving into years of alcohol abuse and various coping mechanisms to deal with anxiety that weren't good cope. They were good coping mechanisms at the time, but they're not, um, they weren't going to get me too far. So that moved into me taking an antidepressant medication at a kind of young age. And a number of years later, when I wanted to get off of that, when I was feeling a lot better, and I knew I didn't want to be on it anymore. And I never wanted to be on it in the first place. I was just um, feeling cornered at the time. So I tried to get off of that and I had a pretty severe reaction to that. I didn't have the support and the information and education I needed to get off of that in a way that that was going to work and be sustainable. So the support I had was someone helping me get off of it much, much too fast. And I ended up with basically what's called protracted withdrawal, which it for me looked like five years of major depression, you know, including a diagnosis of that, which I had, this isn't something I dealt with before. So I had five years of really intense kind of dark night of the soul. And I didn't know that what was going, that's what was going on at the time. I just thought that this was me. And then after I, I was sort of coming out of healing from that is when I got Lyme disease. And that's when everything really sort of hit the boiling point of it's kind of it was kind of like do or die time like I needed to figure out how to heal myself or it was the consequences were going to be bad I didn't know at the time honestly what my future was going to look like 
I wasn't able to walk much. I was barely able to get out of bed. Life was really intense. So that's when I found energy healing. And while doing physical healing work is non-negotiable, you have to do that as well. But this for me is what I saw really make the biggest difference in turning around the deeper core issues that were driving this need to be chronically ill my entire life and shifting that around. And so when I realized how powerful these methods were, that's when I started learning how to do them on other people and working with other people. In a nutshell, that's that's kind of my health, my chronic health story. And what's your professional background? So I have a certification in the emotion code, which is an energy healing technique, a certification in EFT, which is the the tapping technique that people have probably heard of. It's very popular now. That's also called emotional freedom technique. And then I have various certificates and other energy healing modalities, some of which I pull in and some of which I don't. And then just lots of other trainings I've done over the years as well. And right now I'm actually in a clinical herbalism program, which is fantastic and is something that I want to pull into all of this over time. Tell me more. What do you learn in a a clinical herbal program? You can take a couple different routes if you want to study herbal medicine. And clinical herbalism is specifically the goal. If you're in a clinical herbalism program, your goal is that you want to sit and work one-on-one with people Um, helping them through their health issues and recommending herbs and educating them on natural health and herbs versus, you know, many other routes you can take as an herbal practitioner, whether it's a grower or an educator or even working with people, but more like something called a community herbalist, which things might stay a little more education centered, a little more working with like friends and family and, and just that type of thing versus going in on a kind of deeper clinical level to help people. And I'd like to dive more into EFT. So can you explain what is EFT? How does it work? And does it actually work? Because it seems like there's some conflicting information online about it. Oh, okay. I would love to to hear the naysayer information. (laughs) So EFT is a very simple technique where you're tapping on various parts of the body that are along the meridians from Chinese medicine. And you're basically opening up energy pathways and helping energy flow. So what makes this kind of unique is that you're also, it's also sometimes called an energy psychology technique. And people will say it's like, like psychology meets energy medicine. Uh, because you're actually focusing on the problem that you want to work on as you're tapping. So I call it in a way you're tapping out the problem. Uh, you're focusing on the problem, tapping through, and it can get very multi-layered. I mean, on the surface, it's very simple and you can absolutely do this on yourself. But I find that if you really want to work on deeper, bigger issues, having a practitioner is really important because you don't often we don't want to go there. It's not fun. (laughs) We don't want to go there by ourselves. You really, really, it's nice to have that support, that presence of another person, like holding that space for you. And it makes you feel safe as well. And you will access places that you're probably not going to go on your own. So yeah, I don't know who online is kind of saying EFT doesn't work or whatever, but if someone has that experience that EFT doesn't work for them, it's usually that they're 
kind of not doing it right. And what I mean is in EFT, we spoke, we focus on getting specific. You wouldn't just say this anxiety and, and tap on that. You would say like this anxiety that I have because I have this big test tomorrow, or we would get very specific about it. So oftentimes people will tap and not understand that that there are these parameters that you kind of need to follow if you want it to be successful for you. And that being said, I have seen basically miracles happen with EFT over and over and over again for myself, myself, my clients, and just my teachers who teach a lot with story and telling us about clients they've had. And it is a miraculous healing technique. I would find it really hard to say that there's anyone out there that this couldn't help, I would say that it's not like being done as it should be. That being said, of course, not everything's going to be perfect for everyone. And there's not, you know, there's no one hit wonder. Healing anything is a process. And EFT can just be a, a piece of that process for people that I think packs a really big punch, I guess is a way to say it. <laughs> like you can go, and my experience is, you know, I went to counseling for honestly, probably eight, at least eight years straight. And while the counselor I went to is one of my favorite people on the planet, I get further with EFT. I mean, and and I'm just going to make these numbers up. Let's say eight years of counseling. I'm totally making these up, but this is what feels appropriate to me. Eight years of counseling, I can get an EFT through that much in probably two weeks if I'm working on myself. Um, it's profound and we're getting into the parts of the, of the, the psyche that we're not accessing when we're in our conscious mind. So that's the other piece of this is we need to kind of get subconscious and get into the energy body, which is where we hold all our emotional baggage, our traumas, all of these stresses. I love that. Yeah, I've I've heard of EFT, but I've never really looked into it, much less tried it. And so before this episode, I was doing some very, very basic online Google research and, you know, just like looking Mm -hmm. at the Wikipedia page for it. And of course, Wikipedia talked about how there's uh, very few legitimate studies that um, show any proof that it works and just back and forth. But of course, you know, it's so hard to to know what to believe and what to trust, especially online. You know, these are some of the same websites that also tell you that fluoride is perfectly safe to use. <laughs> oh, sure. Online, it's like uh, the wild, wild west. But um, so just so you know, and listeners know, that actually isn't true about the studies. There are hundreds of studies done at this point that are testing the efficacy and validity of EFT. And I would be happy to provide you with links to that if you think that people might be interested in that. Um yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to put those in the show notes. I think, I think it'd be awesome to to look more into it. You okay. Know? I think it's really important for everybody to do their own research on any topic and not just trust what the news tells us or what our friends tell us or what my podcast tells people. You know, I want people to do their own research and come to their own conclusions based on actual facts and not just hearsay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll definitely, we'll put those into the show notes. Um, so with EFT, how do you do it? How do you know, how, how hard do you tap? How much do you tap? How do you know where to tap? How does that mm-hmm. all work? So what I usually, if you want to learn how to tap, I just send people to this amazing resource called the tappingsolution.com. And it's the hub of everything EFT. And it's great for people who are new to it. 
it will you'll have a start here section and it will bring you through everything. But to answer your question, so we're tapping lightly and um, since we're audio, I can't exactly show you, but there are a series of points. Some are on the face and then we go down and have a couple on the upper body and the top of the head. And we're sort of tapping lightly, maybe six, seven, eight times at each point while we're saying the phrase. And, and how that works is we have a setup phrase and then we have a, a, a tapping phrase. So we're tapping on a spot on the hand, saying our setup phrase. And I'll use my anxiety example that I was saying before. So it, it would say we would state the problem. So I'd be tapping on the side of my hand saying, even though I have this anxiety about this test tomorrow, I deeply and completely love and accept myself. And there are all there are different phrases you can say too. This is what I generally use. And then we do that three times. Then we start on the other tapping points and you would just use what's called a reminder phrase. And I would just say this anxiety, this anxiety. And I'm tapping saying that as I'm going throughout each point. And then what, so what we do is before we start tapping, we test on a one to 10 scale. And then after we tap, we test on a one to 10 scale. And then we just continue to go from there and we want to get the number down as low as possible until it's a very, usually people will have a very neutral feeling, like they'll feel very distanced from it, or they'll kind of be like, well, that wasn't really even a thing anyway. Or there's just this veil that comes um, where, where it's a very neutralized feeling, and then they can move on. And th that doesn't have the charge anymore when they think about it. And this one to 10 scale, this is just like a emotional scale of how you're feeling? Yes. Yeah. So okay. with the anxiety example, if the anxiety was really severe, you know, and I was kind of freaking out about this test tomorrow, I would probably call it a 10. Mm. If it was just like this mild, like I'm a little nervous about it, but I'd like to feel better and feel calmer, it might be a four or a five. And then we use we have different te techniques that we use based on the intensity of that uh, of that feeling. So if something is very high, like a 10, for example, and the person feels very triggered, we're going to use some gentler techniques to lower it because we never want to actually have them go into a horrible feeling or a trauma. That's not we're not trying to relive that. We're trying to relieve it with different techniques, but we're trying to relieve it as gently as possible. And then these points on the body, you mentioned that they're related to meridians. What is that? Mm -hmm. What are they associated with? Sure. So meridians are the energetic pathways in our body that um, you'll hear about in acupuncture. So this comes from traditional Chinese medicine, which is over 5,000 years old. And these are the energy pathways in the body. So acupuncture, acupressure, and tons of other modalities actually rely on the these energy pathways um, as kind of a map and a framework of how the energy moves in our body. Ayurveda, traditional Indian medicine, also has their version of this, which is equally as old, I believe, if not older than the traditional Chinese medicine. So this is something that all different cultures around the world have found exist in the body. They just name them a little differently and work with them a little differently. But EFT is working with these meridian pathways, opening them up. How do they relate to chakras? So they're spinning spinning wheels, energy centers, right? And the chakras are kind of like holding our stories and kind of like managing 
our stories and managing information versus the meridians, our pathways that energy is running through. So we're talking about long, you know, vertical lines of energy running through the body. So these pathways, they're not holding exactly like stories and beliefs and these other things that are basically like telling our history the way that the chakras are. And I actually work work with the chakras as well because as a map, they're invaluable to helping people when working with energy medicine. So how can one use EFT for helping to treat and or cure chronic illness? My experience and what I see over and over is that people with a serious illness will get physical support all over the place, their doctor, their whoever practitioner. It might be a long road and it might be hit or miss sometimes, but that is available. And what I don't see, which is so critical, is healing our emotions. In my experience, if we if we don't do this, we're not going to get better from these really serious illnesses because we wouldn't have these illnesses if we didn't have imbalances in the energy body and in our emotional lives. This is this is kind of what I tell people is like if you feel like something's missing and you're not getting where you want to be going in dealing with a chronic illness, like let's explore these levels. We have the different levels of, of our body, right? So we have the physical body, we have the emotional body, we have the mental body, and we have the spiritual body. And one way I think of it is that when we're working above the physical level, we're having the experiences of healing at that level, and then it all trickles down. So anything we do at the spiritual, mental, or emotional level benefits that, but it also benefits the physical. We're not going to get isolated healing. It's it's going to benefit every level of ourselves when we start working at the deeper than the physical levels. You just mentioned emotional bodies, physical bodies, mental bodies. It's something that I've always been curious about and, and still don't know the answer to. What is the difference between our emotional versus our mental bodies or our emotional versus mm-hmm. mental state? What is the difference between those two? Yeah, I love this question. So the emotional body would be the body that has feelings, right? That Those are your feelings and your emotions. But then the mental body is the body that kind of generates those. And what I mean is the mental body is your thoughts. And there's always a thought that happens before you have a feeling. So your mental body generates a thought and then it triggers a feeling in your emotional body. And it's interesting because you can you can work at both or either of these levels and get so much. Like an example of working at the, the mental level would be hypnosis. And I've worked with hypnosis some, and it's absolutely fascinating to watch how literally changing your thoughts will change everything. So the mental is changing the thoughts and the emotional is changing the feelings and the sort of the energetic punch behind the emotions that you've stored in there. So for somebody with a chronic illness, where do you recommend that they start for this healing regimen? And you already mentioned visiting um, tappingsolution.com, but mm-hmm. besides that, what's a good place to start? How, how do they learn more? It depends what you're drawn to. Um, you might not be drawn to energy medicine like I'm talking about as much, and something else might appeal to you. You can explore tons of different modalities and hypnosis might be something that feels good to you 
when you're really sick, you have to handle some of the physical stuff first because you need to have a, you need to be able to function, right? But then you might need really easy, passive things to work with and not things that require a whole lot of you, for example. So sitting back and listening to a hypnosis might feel easy and that's great. And, or sitting and listening to a guided meditation that you find on YouTube might open a whole world to you of just looking inward and, and thinking about your past and, and saying, yeah, I did have some trauma and I get that if I don't deal with that trauma, my body's going to remain in this state of fight or flight that puts me in chronic illness and keeps me in chronic illness. And speaking of other modalities, I know you're a certified emotion code practitioner. What is the emotion code and how is that utilized in helping people with chronic illness? So this is another simple technique that you can learn to do on yourself. And this is the first one I learned when I was sick and it it really blew my mind. There's a lovely man named Dr. Bradley Nelson who invented this while he was doing his chiropractic practice and realizing, you know, something's missing here. So he started developing this over time. And you can learn all this in the book. It's basically a simple technique where we're looking at a chart. The one thing you need to learn how to do is muscle test yourself, which I can explain what that is in a sec. So you're looking at a chart, you're testing yourself asking which emotion do I need to release, finding it on the chart, and then you release it. And in his modality, you use a magnet because we are energetic beings and the magnet is just sort of your intention plus the magnet is removing this. And you can actually feel this, what I'm talking about when you do it. And the muscle testing piece is really interesting. This is something I found to be incredible in my healing process. You've maybe seen where people would hold up their arm and someone would push down like on the wrist and, and it'd be kind of like, well, is this, maybe they're holding, I don't know, a slice of bread saying, is, is gluten, is this bread okay for me to eat? Is this going to be good for me? And then someone would push on the arm and your, your body actually has a physiological response, yes or no, to these things. And it's your, basically like your higher self or your subconscious mind, um, it's all connected. So we're plugged into, you know, the musculoskeletal system that's saying, nope, nope, that's not good. I'm not budging. That is not a good thing. So it's a way of getting information. And now there are lots of other simpler ways. You don't have to do this holding out the arm piece. Um, Like I just do a little simple way where I'm just using my hands and I have something on my website where people can learn how to do this, but basically using these little techniques to find answers inside me, what needs to be healed next? Where do I need to go next? And this is also what I teach people to do. It's what the emotion code uses. And actually a lot of energy healing modalities use this because it's a really simple way to learn to get in touch with your intuition. So what's really cool about it is when you start using a lot of it a lot and you get really used to it and you're like, oh my gosh, this was just like training wheels for my intuition. And now I'm just, I get it. And I don't even have to muscle test anymore. I just know. And um, it, it's a fascinating way to really get in touch with what's going on inside you. And we'll include the link to the book, The Emotion Code, in the show mm-hmm. notes as well, so that people, if they want to learn more about that, if that's inspiring something in them, they can go look up that book. I have it in my online card. I definitely think it sounds interesting, and I'd love 
to learn more about it myself. But I do want to touch on your own experience with Lyme disease. Um, And I know that Lyme disease has actually been in the news recently because Justin Bieber um, is is currently going through that. And so Mm -hmm. that's kind of um, you know, with with celebrity news, that kind of brings it to the forefront of, of mm-hmm. people talking about it and maybe even first hearing hearing of it for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still so much that's not known about Lyme disease. So can you tell me more about your own experience with Lyme disease, what it is, what the symptoms mm-hmm. are, how it's diagnosed and all of that? So I live in tick land. I live in northeastern Connecticut. So we have lots and lots of ticks. And I about seven years ago, I got bit by a tick and I don't ever remember having been bit by a tick before in my life. So I knew I got bit a few days later, I got a 24 hour like flu. And now I didn't think anything of it because my husband also got the same flu. And I thought we had a little bug. It turns out he also was bit as well and infected. Four months later, I realized something was really, really wrong with a list of symptoms panic attacks being one of the first ways it manifested. And I I figured out, oh my gosh, this is Lyme. This is that tick bite that I forgot I got. And I was already pretty severely debilitated at that point. I started seeing a practitioner to help me out when I figured out it was Lyme. One thing I'd like to say is that quite often you will go through the going through the Western medical route and be treated pretty horribly. And I'm not saying this is across the board. I'm saying this is my experience and the experience of most of the people I talk to. So that happened, which was pretty traumatic. I finally, I went to a Lyme practitioner. I started treatment. I wasn't really happy with that treatment. I was actually getting worse. I had to leave work. Walking was very difficult. My list of symptoms was like too long to list actually. And I went through this just this crazy two years of being extremely, extremely ill and not knowing what was going to happen with me. I changed practitioners. I started seeing someone else and that was a better choice and was helping me kind of get back on my feet. But it's been a long, long road because of how damaged my body was during that time. But yeah, so just as far as kind of symptoms to, to, know whether or not you are experiencing Lyme. Um, And this is a tough one because, uh, you know, all these things can end up mimicking something else or being something else. We don't know. This is one of the things that's really tough with Lyme is some of the, the testing is really poor, although there are some other things out there, which I'm happy to share some newer things that are gaining a lot of ground and having a lot of very happy customers, which is a really, uh, kind of a breakthrough almost in the, in the testing world. But so symptoms like, the only 30% of people get the rash. So don't count on that. There's, and the rash that you're referring to is, is the red bullseye rash. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. Yep. So that's, that's not that common, 30% of people. But common symptoms, initial sort of 24-hour flu, very common. Neurological symptoms are very common. So we're talking about anxiety, depression, panic attacks, cognitive issues, and then more physical, you know, joint pain, joint swelling, arthritic types of conditions. And if we move a little forward and people are untreated, undiagnosed and untreated, which unfortunately is so common, we're talking about some very, very severely debilitating things like heart issues and severe cognitive 
problems and thyroid issues, adrenal issues. There's basically nothing that's off limits because of how the Lyme bacteria and the other infections that ticks and and mosquitoes and bugs can carry. So it's a really tough disease, but I think that it's it's a very mysterious illness and unfortunately the government says it doesn't exist so that's a problem that could be a whole other podcast but it's it's a tough one so if you can find different resources online that you trust that can make a world of difference you just have to basically get away from the mainstream medical model to deal with this and you can't expect them to be able to help you because they're not equipped for chronic illness is Lyme disease always caused by a tick bite? No. Ticks, mosquitoes, it isn't just ticks. I've had people tell me they're sure they had this bite by this insect and then um, then got Lyme. So we used to definitely think it was only ticks, and that's the only way it's happened to me. Um, it might be that it's less prevalent in some of the other insects, but it has definitely happened. And the people who are a little more progressive in studying Lyme and working with people with Lyme will say that, yes, it's absolutely not just ticks that carry these infections. And what was the treatment that you found most effective in your personal experience? The first treatment I did was a sort of natural energetic based treatment with homeopathy. And I had great hopes for it, but it turned out to not work out. I also didn't have a great feeling about that practitioner from the beginning, but I felt very cornered for financial reasons and just literally access to Lyme doctors seven years ago was far more difficult than it is today in my area, at least. Because I was getting worse, I ended up going to another doctor. So I started to see a a pretty prominent Lyme doctor that's here in Connecticut And I ended up doing pulsed antibiotics for about two years. It might have been a little bit longer even. I have a lot of feelings about that. I I probably wouldn't do it that way now because of what I know and understand about Lyme disease. Not to say I regret because I think everything happens for a reason in our healing journeys. But just what I know now, I don't think I would go that route. That being said, I was terrified at the time. I wasn't able to work. I'm like, give me what you got. I don't care. I didn't have the cognitive ability, emotional or physical ability to do anything to treat myself. I absolutely needed outside help. And that's what I could get at the time. And it's gotten me here. So <laughs> now the last thing that I, I want to touch on before we wrap up is your work with the Inner Compass Institute. What do mm-hmm. they do? So I don't work with them anymore, actually. That um, oh, I was, okay. yeah, I worked part time for about a year with her name is Laura Delano, who started the um, Inner Compass Initiative. I'm so glad you asked, though, because I absolutely adore her and this thing that she's created, which is such a labor of love. So they work as a as a resource and educational hub and um, a networking hub for people who either want to learn about, consider, or want to try to get off psychiatric meds. When you join their online platform, you're given access to all of the other members who are all around the world at this point. And Laura's vision was that this would create small groups located within communities because of this um, proven effectiveness of peer-to-peer support for people dealing with anything, but you know things like this where you really need other people around you who are going through what you're going through to help 
support you and you support them throughout this process. So that that's her vision with this. But it's a really wonderful organization. So if anyone is dealing with with that, with psychiatric meds for yourself or a loved one, it is an encyclopedia of learning about how you can start to think about and then eventually work on getting off of meds if you don't want to be on them anymore. Or if, I mean, honestly, the people that are on there, a lot of them are severely, severely injured. Like what happened to me, but their stories are so much worse. Injured by either being on meds or trying to get off meds or both. So this is a seriously underserved portion of, of our communities that she has, because of her own experiences, devoted her life to serving. And where can we go to learn more about the Inner Compass Institute and withdrawing from psychiatric drugs? So her that site is intercompassinitiative.org. And where can we go to learn more about you and the work that you're doing and your own personal story? So I'm at mounthopehealing.com. And my last question for you, what is your favorite non-social media website to visit? Oh, that's a really hard question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't like social media, so that part's easy. You know, it's probably my herb school. This is super nerdy of me. But my herb school website, because not only does it have my classes, which are just such a wonderful part of my life, it's just it's also a, like a, a community for our school to talk to each other and a blog and amazing learning resources. So I, I spend quite a bit of time there. And I know I have a lot of listeners, actually, that are interested in herbalism. I definitely need to do an episode on that at some point. Yeah. soon. What school are you currently going through? So I'm at the Commonwealth Center for Holistic Herbalism. They're located in Boston, which is just an hour from me, but I do the online courses because it fits in my life better. And it's run by a husband and wife herbalist team. They're absolutely phenomenal. If anybody out there is interested in studying herbs and you want to do an online program like this, I could not more highly recommend them. They're brilliant they're wonderful and you can actually ask them all of your questions, which is priceless. And that's a wrap. I truly hope that you find this Live Your Best Life series beneficial. If you know someone who'd enjoy the Hippie Haven podcast, share it with them or on social media. If you post on Instagram, don't forget to tag and follow me at Hippie Haven Shop. This podcast is produced with the help of my community manager, Kelly, who also runs our Hippie Haven Facebook group. If you haven't joined that already, be sure to visit Facebook, search the Hippie Haven Facebook group, and join us. You can also support the work that we do by leaving a review for the podcast in whichever app you're using to listen, or you can buy us a virtual cup of coffee to keep us going. Visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash hippie haven to support the work we do with just $4. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I hope you have a great rest of your day.